0: Audio Podcast Network, part of the Boundless Audio Podcast Network.
1: May your whites be sweet. May the historical heroines be a nice treat. May your Emilys be punny and your Kellys roll their eyes. And may your whining about history utterly satisfy. Welcome to Whining About History, the Women's History podcast, where two longtime gal pals drink a bunch of wine and talk about women from history you probably haven't heard of but definitely should have. I'm Kelly, and that's Emily. Oh my God, that was so cute. I love that I got a little shout out. you <laughs> your Emily's be Punny.
0: I'm glad that was like, yes, yes. no, that's, it's gotta be that.
1: It, oh my God. It's based very loosely off of a Thanksgiving poem.
0: I don't because fucking Thanksgiving care.
1: Thanksgiving is approaching.
0: That is amazing. Oh my God, I love it so much. Can we put that on a card? Sure. Can we put that on everything? <laughs> Can everything. I get tattooed on my soul?
1: Yes. <laughs> on your eyeball.
0: On my so I, no on the insides of my eyelids so every time I blink you it's just like it. a poem and like one eyelid is the first half and the other eyelid is the second half.
1: So you're just constantly winking at people. Yeah,
0: what, what what what's wrong with your face? What's wrong with your face? Nothing. I'm reading a Thanksgiving poem about my podcast. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Oh, my God. That was totally worth the wait. Because Kelly's like, I can't think of a fucking intro. I don't know. I
1: think I'm thinking. You were were hemming and hawing
0: and you looked so defeated. And that is what you ripped out of the jaws of defeat. I am so thankful. Kelly, I'm thankful for you. I'm
1: thankful for you, too.
0: I think this comes out the week after Thanksgiving, the Monday after Thanksgiving. Yep. Yeah. So. We're all, we're all like fat and full of food and none of our we're pants fit anymore. Pants. So many comfy pants. I be, I really need to get more work pants that are just basically work appropriate sweats.
1: Mine aren't work appropriate sweats, but like all of the new work pants that I have don't have zippers or buttons. Oh, I do love that. Because I'm like, fuck that shit. I do have,
0: I have a couple of pairs of work pants I got from Goodwill, and they're a little bigger on the waist. I think those are going to be my like post-Thanksgiving jam pants. There you go. Because they're going to be full of jam. Yeah. And cranberry, <laughs> cranberry
1: sauce.
0: Cranberry jam. Cans of cranberry jam. Speaking of cranberry, I think that is one of the tasting notes in our wine today. Ooh,
1: what is it? So
0: today we are drinking Banshee Pinot Noir, two thousand nineteen, which is the year we started this podcast. Yeah, it is. Oh my god! <laughs> it simultaneously feels like I oh know two thousand nineteen was like last year, but also a trillion years ago because I keep remembering there's been a pandemic between then and now.
1: Yep, and the pandemic
0: feels like it was a trillion years long and technically still going. Like it's just something we live with now, you know.
1: Achoo! Achoo! Kelly's got the fever. Well, it's allergies. Kelly's a super spreader. Warm now in fall, and my allergies (laughs) don't like it when it gets really cold and then gets really warm because then the pollen is like, hello.
0: My my face doesn't like it. I keep I keep like breaking out weird little spots like on the very edge of my nostril. Holy shit, Kelly!
1: I don't know what that was. That did was my I just computer. Un- did I just
0: unlock an achievement? Achievement
1: unlocked. Bishy, I literally clicked six. on my notes, and my computer's like, ta-da!
0: Oh my god! Well, it well, needs an
1: update, apparently. Your
0: computer is very excited for our stories today. I am also very excited for my story. But first, we're drinking this Banshee Pinot Noir from Sonoma County, oh. and I I picked it because the label it's like a crow, rooster, goose, swan bird creature, and I just got the first session of my tattoo, which is also a bird, except it's it's definitely a crow.
1: Yeah, yours, yours is very ambiguous. clearly it a is, crow. It's
0: not open to interpretation like this wine label is, where yeah. I'm I'm super not sure. But my, be honest, that's probably why you picked that wine label. Oh, well, Banshee. Done. 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 I should actually show this to my my friend's boyfriend, because he... He's a bird guy. He'll be like, what is this? And just be like, based on your expert opinion, what bird do you feel this is most closely related to? He's going to say it's a very specific bird. It's not a mix. It's not an illustration like, oh, yeah, it's a whatever.
1: And you're going to be like, fine.
0: It's a wazoo. It's a wazoo. From the flippity dip region of who the fuck knows? (laughs) Accurate. How do you not know that, Emily? God, Emily, know your birds. I only have to know one bird. Actually, two. The bird on my thigh and this one. <gasps> How oh, dare. Inappropriate gestures. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this wine is an exciting yet friendly wine. Mm. Bursting at the seams with aromas of dried cherry, earthy peach moss, and redwood forest. With notes of hyacinth sandalwood and confectioner sugar oh, yeah. redwood forest yeah an entire forest in a wine uh, what does a redwood forest taste like like i, I could see redwood the trees but what does a redwood forest because then you the trees you, dirt there's some bugs the there. leaves. <laughs> there's the air is it a humid forest I don't know. I've never been to the Redwoods. I mean, that that's California, right?
1: Northern California. Northern
0: California. Northern Californians, come at us. What does, what do you think a Redwood forest tastes like? Please tell us. Definitely. All right. Well, Kelly, cheers to Forever Fat Pants. Yes. Sweats forever. This is really refreshing for a Pinot Noir. I thought it was gonna be a lot thicker and heavier. But I would describe this wine as friendly. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not it's coming a good on too starter strong. Red. It's not coming on too strong, and it's not being dismissive. It's not like playing hard to get. It's like, hi, how are you today? And it's actually wondering how I'm
1: doing. Right.
0: It listens. Yeah. And the uh, so I looked up the wrong wine. Initially, I looked up the Banshee Cab Sov and it was described as an approachable wine, but medium body. And I'm like, what does that mean? Approachable like like you're not afraid to ask it for directions. Yeah. Like you, you see that wine bottle at the bar and you're like. You know what? I'm going to strike up a conversation because that wine just seems really approachable. We're going to we're going to have a connection. We're going to have a little chat and it's going to be positive, it's gonna
1: Be positive. positive. I'm not going to walk away feeling like that wine was a creep.
0: Exactly. And then this is the wine that like they're sitting at the table next to you and they're like, oh, sorry, do we need to like move? No, you're fine. You like chat a little bit and it's like yeah. really positive and bubbly. Yeah, no, I, I, I dig this. So this wine is the drunk girl in the bathroom. Oh my, this wine is telling me to break up with my boyfriend because he's trash. He's not, but this wine is telling me he's in trash. In, a, in a
1: happy way. In a-
0: <laughs> like, you deserve better, girl. Oh my God, girl, your shoes are too good for him. Are you fucking kidding? I love being the drunk girl in the bathroom, telling everyone to break up with their partners. Mm -hmm. I love, I love being that person. Like there's a girl bitching to her friend about some guy. It's always a guy. And then like, you're overhearing it because the bathroom is a communal space where privacy does not exist. You don't even like pretend to not hear it. And you're just like, oh my God, look, okay. I don't know you, but you are fucking gorgeous. And he is a goddamn trash animal. And then they're like, oh my God, you're so sweet. And like you become best friends for 30 seconds and then you leave the bathroom and you never see each other again. But she definitely broke up with her trash boyfriend. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and you'll you'll definitely remember each other if not, for nothing else. Then oh, remember that really sweet girl from the bathroom.
0: Honestly, like the sweet girl from the bathroom is not a person. It's, it is it's a, a general thing. It's yeah. a general. It's a general theme. Like every girl I've met in the bathroom has been the sweet girl from the bathroom. It's true. This is why women go in pairs. We go. We travel in groups because. It's just so much more fun. Because that's when we're all telling each other a breakup with our with our partners. Only if they're trash though.
1: Only if they're trash. Mine's not trash. No.
0: Mine's not either. He's glimmering like starlight. Kelly, who the fuck are you whining about? You're first. Oh shit. <laughs> Good try though. <laughs> I rolled a one on deflection. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nat okay. That one. That one damn you dice. And then the girl in the bathroom is like, you should dump that fucking dice. It's not good enough for you. Fuck you. Fuck Fuck that that dice. dice. (laughs) Uh, Kelly, I fucking love you so much. All right. So, uh, so last week I was whining about the Indian boarding schools and I mentioned that there was a story I'd been working on that kind of brought me to that topic and like thinking about, how much you know the agency and like who's telling the story and i did say i would tell the story of chief pineleaf who i am whining about today mm. so the reason the re- the reason i didn't cover her story last week is because the primary resources of her life are like writings by non-native people and one of the one of the primary sources is the memoir of James Beckworth called The Life and Adventures of James P. Beckworth, Mountaineer Scout, and Pioneer and Chief of the Crow Nation of Indians.
1: Oh, I was like, why does that sound so familiar? Because you mentioned it last time. I week. mentioned it last <laughs> time and
0: it was a very dramatic title. Um okay like James Beckworth is a character to say the least. Uh, he was like a formerly enslaved man who escaped and like went on to be this like adventurous frontiersman kind of tough guy. And he wrote his memoir, but he's not exactly the world's most reliable narrator. And he's Ooh, definitely fun. a product of of his time. Um I think his nickname was, like, Bloody Arm Beckworth or something. Yeah, it was, he's,
1: I didn't get, I didn't get
0: super into him, but every single word that I read about him, I was like, what the fuck is this, (laughs) like, who is he, what is happening in his life? But this is not whining about history, so it's not his story. But before we get started to talking about Chief Pineleaf, I have a few notes, basically a bunch of asterisks, like, please don't come at me if this isn't accurate, because technically, None of it's really
1: accurate.
0: So chief pine leaf is often also referred to as woman chief. And the two are treated as one and the same in a lot of sources, like the, the chief pine leaf wiki redirects to woman chief. They're used interchangeably. They're largely considered the same person, but it is possible that they are very different people. So Woman Chief's story is told in Edwin Denig's book. So he was like a fur trader who encountered okay. the crow and, you know, met Woman Chief. And he's like, damn, she's a badass. I'm gonna write about her. And his story has many similarities to Pine Leaf and Beckworth, Beckworth's account. And like the timelines and the locations line up where they think that these these two different men were probably writing about the same woman okay. and calling her something different. Um but who the fuck actually knows?
1: Yeah, that's that's always like the fun thing in these stories. Like, mm.
0: Yeah, so that's just a big asterisk. This is kind of an amalgamation of what could potentially be two women's stories. Um, but it's a hell of a fucking story. So okay. I'm going to call her Pine Leaf. Because Woman Chief, it, it, it doesn't have the same pop, you know? So Pine Leaf was born... About eighteen oh six, early eighteen hundreds, to the Gros Ventre. Uh, it's French, the Gros Ventures. <laughs> that's what it looks like phonetically the Gross
1: Ventures. Gros Ventures. G R O
0: S space V E N T R E S. So yeah. Gros Ventre, um, or White that makes Clay it people. Sound French. It does. I, I should be smoking a cigarette when I say that, and that's going to make it sound French, or the White Clay people, as. We say in English, and they have historically lived along the Red River Valley in present day, Western Minnesota, Minnesota. and Eastern North Dakota. So at the time of our story, the white clay people were living in present day, Montana yeah. along the Missouri river. So due to conflicts with other tribes, they started kind of like moving more Western and more Southern. Yeah. So that's why we're they shifted. So like by this time, from what I could find they're in Montana okay. by the Missouri river. It's likely that this is where, at ten years old, Pineleaf encountered a crow raiding party who took her prisoner as a part of their attack. Okay, it was not uncommon for tribes to adopt prisoners into their own communities, raising children as their own rather than enslaving them or killing them. And like I mean, that's nice, this could I even guess. happen, like to to like white settlers, they might be they might be adopted into the tribe and raised as such. James Boone, yeah, literally had like indigenous parents because when he was captured he became one of the people and he had like a mother and a father and a whole it was it was was a whole thing. thing so this uh this was a way for tribes to replace members who were lost to disease or war and this is what happened with pine leaf when she was adopted by a crow warrior who had lost his own sons and like Obviously, not every tribe practice this or every single time. yes, yeah, this is a bit of a generalization, but it's not unheard of. It's not terribly uncommon for this kind of thing to happen. So, pine leaf is referred to as being two-spirit. And Kelly, I know that you you went into that when you covered Osh-Tish. Mm-hmm. I, I should have written down the episode number, but you'll find it. Just... Dig around the Googles, so she's referred to as being two-spirited. Sources likely due to her affinity for traditionally masculine tax tasks such as marksmanship, her ability to field dress a buffalo, and horse riding. She was considered like the fastest in the village, like she was a fucking badass. I couldn't find other information confirming that. Like Pine Leaf held this distinction in the tribe because obviously that also comes with a lot of uh, spiritual. And you know political weight to it being two spirit, um, but she was referred to that. And I didn't want to like erase that or gloss over it. So while it's not uncommon for women to take on traditionally masculine duties in indigenous communities, what was interesting about Pine Leaf is that while women engaging in battle often dress as men to convey like strength and unity, Pine Leaf insisted on dressing in her feminine clothing. So interesting. that so she was she was like I'm gonna kill you in a dress fuck yeah or you know whatever (laughs) and I kind of love that that she's like subverting these these gender expectations even within a community where those expectations are not what we're maybe used to
1: yeah I really I like that her warrior father
0: encouraged encouraged her proficiency as a warrior and when he died she became the leader of his lodge and there's a lot of mention of lodges and like being a leader of a lodge and the the prestige of your lodge and I was trying to look it up and I couldn't find specifically
1: you know like what that referred to yeah
0: but I think so because um the crow uh they were nomadic and they built TPs, and those were considered their lodges
1: okay and
0: like they could be really big and really ornate like so I think it's I think it's like she is the leader of her her family group yeah she's the leader of her house she's she's the pine leaf of the house so to speak. And that's a really big deal for her. So Pineleaf would have the opportunity to put her skills to good use when a Blackfoot raiding party attacked a fort where the Crow families and white settlers were sheltering. Pineleaf jumped into battle and was a key member in defeating the raiding party. She just fucking went off.
1: Fuck yeah. This
0: earned Pineleaf the title of Bachichi, or Chief, in in the Council of Chiefs, earning her the title... Chief. So that's where we get that. Again, these could have been different people, but this is kind of how yeah. the story is told. Pineleaf became a prominent leader amongst the Crow and married four wives, which only increased the wealth and prestige of her lodge. Hmm. And because that can increase prestige, I wasn't sure if it was like Maybe a, it's an like LGBTQ marrying. thing or if it was just a, this is how you increase prestige is is to have multiple wives or to, you know... Yeah,
1: or you think of, like, maybe if she's marrying, like, daughters of other chiefs, then you're, mm-hmm. like, consolidating that. Like, I think of, like, kings and queens, how they'll, like you know, like, they marry their children for power.
0: Yeah. But, again... I'm like, I just want to hear her story from her own mouth because there's so many details where I'm like, I want to know more about that. And there aren't any. And actually that detail comes from that, that fur trader's account, not, not Beckworth, the other guy, where he was like, oh my goodness, look at this. Where women, where men dress as women and women dress as men and then they marry each other. And like, he was, he was all like. My brain is broken. (laughs) I I don't think he was necessarily offended. I think he was like shocked. That's the way it comes off where he's like, what? (coughs) That's the exact sound that he made. Yeah, 100%. (laughs) So she was described as being quote, incapable of fear, beating the men at arm wrestling contests, enjoying her favorite pastime, which let's see if anyone is into this, which was hiking into the wilderness on foot to hunt big game and then hiking back with the butchered meat on her back, so she would go hunt a giant animal like a buffalo or a deer or yeah. something by herself on foot, butcher and dress the animal, yep. and then like hike back with all the meat on her. I love everything about her she will not be stopped. She absolutely will not, yeah. So an exceptional warrior, the crow uh, had written songs to immortalize her bravery and her victories. Like she was a really big deal among her people. And that's, I'm like, I want to know that song.
1: Right. I want to
0: know these songs. Despite her proficiency as a warrior, Pineleaf also understood the importance of diplomacy. It kind of reminded me like that, that quote from Theodore Roosevelt, like speak softly, but carry a big stick. She's like. Hey guys, we should, we should like come to peace and stop killing each other while she's like lifting a giant dead Buffalo over her shoulders.
1: She has like one on her back and blood everywhere.
0: And she's like, you know what guys, let's all just get along. And they're like, yes, (laughs) ma'am. So she negotiated with neighboring tribes and American frontiersmen to establish peace and mutual, but mutually beneficial dealings, which I'm like, she's fucking doing it all. Like, she's, she's like the modern woman where it's like she can and will have it all. Pineleaf held the title of woman. Oh, shit. Sorry. Did I kick you?
1: No, you opened the drawer with your foot. Oh, I'm sorry. Was, it just scared the crap I am, out of me. I'm so sorry. But Kelly, let's just like chill about peace
0: while I, I mean, kick yeah, you in the exactly. fucking shin. <laughs> so Pineleaf held the title of woman chief for 25 years. Wow. That's impressive. And surprisingly, this decorated warrior wouldn't die in battle, but on a peace mission. Oh, In 1854, approximately, Pineleaf was working to strengthen an existing uh, peace tree between the Crow and the White Clay people, the tribe that she was originally born to. Yep. During this peace mission, Pineleaf and her fellow warriors were ambushed, and despite a valiant defense, Pineleaf was killed at approximately 48 years old, a gun clutched in her hands. Who were they ambushed by? The The white clay people. Oh, so okay. she, went, she was going to them to, like, broker or strengthen this existing
1: peace treaty. And they were, and like, they were like, we're just going to break this peace treaty no. by murdering you.
0: Yeah, they're like, mm, but what if we didn't?
1: Which I mean, like, if there is that history of, like, the Crow kidnapping people from their... You know? Oh yeah,
0: I'm. I'm not. I'm not passing judgment. It's just like, oh, pine leaf. Damn it! Right.
1: (laughs) Well, and the fact that like it's so sad that she was like killed by like her actual tribe, the
0: tribe that she was born to. It's. It's, and like there's that book that we read, the taking of Jemima Boone, and that Mm -hmm. goes into a lot of like the intricacies of how different tribes interacted with each other and how like just because you were born to one tribe doesn't mean that like was your you, sole heritage. Exactly. You might, you know, you might leave and move with another tribe and become a member of theirs, or you might be kidnapped and become like, it's, and there's intermarrying and really like, so I think that's one of the reasons other than, you know, the lack of a public school education that, I sometimes have a hard time wrapping my head around like different indigenous tribes and cultures because they are so incredibly varied
1: and interwoven at the exact same time.
0: Yes, because I mean they they had they had complex hierarchies of their own. I I mean, d- describe any culture, you can drill down so deep yeah. into the specificities you you have like the, the political structure, you have, okay, how do they live? Are they sedentary? Are they nomadic? You know, what are the the resources that they're using? What's important to them religiously, culturally?
1: Yeah, and the deeper you go what down, are, the more varied What are their gender they they politics?
0: Yeah. And then what about this group who lives, you know, on the the Western Plains and this other group that lives on the more Eastern Plains, you know? And I think that, that that's true for everything. That's true for every culture, every group of people, but... I definitely feel like I'm starting from way behind the finish line when it comes to talking about indigenous cultures. So I'm glad we can talk about some of these stories and like get that, get a bit of that insight. Yeah. I always appreciate that too. But, uh, Leaf allegedly she put up like quite the fight and kind of the story is like, she made them, they killed her, but she made them fucking sorry for doing it. Like, like,
1: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> she probably took out some of them with her. Mm-hmm. And who knows?
0: Legend, uh, head headcanon definitely happened. Yeah. She fucked shit up. Legacy. So while we love, 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 love a badass warrior story like Pine Leafs, it's overshadowed by the fact that we don't even know if Pine Leaf and Woman Chief were the same person and the questionable nature of our sources. Beckworth wrote very highly of Pine Leaf, but that's because he was hard for her. He was kind of obsessed with her. And he even ends his story by saying that she fell in love with him and they were married and she gave up like all of her power and to be a good little wife. He called her his little wife. And I'm Mm. like, nothing about this woman screams little wife. Okay? Unless it's like she's a little wife with a giant chainsaw about to rip you up. And it's kind of this ironic thing. Right. So, um... So he, uh, according to him, they were married before he peaced out because he got bored. And I'm like, nothing about this woman's life was boring either. Like, I think he's full of shit. Yeah, I think think you got
1: rejected and you were butthurt about it. So you ran away. He was
0: very self-aggrandizing in his memoirs, too. So uh Edwin Denig, the fur trapper, interacted with whom he called Woman Chief in a pretty limited capacity. So we only get a glimpse of her life character and the Crow culture. And like in both of these cases, we get a limited view and they're heavily colored by the writer's expectations, their own culture, maybe their fantasies. Mm. At best, Pineleaf story is an amalgamation of truth and dramatic fantasy. And despite this, I felt like it was it can serve as a representation of countless indigenous women whose stories will never be told, who fought, led, loved and thrived in their tribes. And yeah. like Pineleaf was a fucking badass. Fuck yeah, she was. Like, I, her three headcanon, she was all of these things. And she definitely told Beckworth to go fuck himself.
1: I mean, obviously.
0: Like, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Like, he's writing the story about this incredible, like, powerful warrior and, like, oh yeah, she'll fuck, she'll fuck anyone up. And she's so strong and she's, she's not scared of anything. But she left all of that to marry me and become my little wife. And then I got bored of her and left. She didn't reject me. I rejected her. And I'm like, Eckworth honey are you okay he's he's a character um I don't trust no the things he says though (laughs) I I
1: just don't I wouldn't either don't worry
0: like there's no way to follow up on
1: the veracity of what he says so I would also lie (laughs) Emily 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 lying through her teeth Hey guys, we know times have been tough lately
0: for all of us. And during hard times, it can be difficult if you don't have anyone to talk to, or it can be hard to talk about certain topics. Being alone with your thoughts can be isolating. This is why we
1: are sponsored by BetterHelp.
0: BetterHelp offers licensed therapists who are trained to
1: listen to and help you.
0: Talk to your therapist
1: in a private online environment at your convenience.
0: BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to, thank goodness.
1: There's a broad range of expertise in BetterHelp's 20,000 plus therapist network that gives you access to the help that may not be available in your area.
0: You just fill out a questionnaire to help assess your specific needs and then you get matched with a therapist in under 48 hours. That is Amazon fast. Then you schedule secure video and phone sessions, plus you can exchange unlimited messages and everything
1: you share is completely confidential, just like with an in-person therapist. You can request a new therapist at any time at no additional charges. If you want to talk to someone about your mental health, you can get a ten percent off your first month at BetterHelp.com/Hurstery. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. dot com slash So, are you ready for my story? Never. Okay. Never. I'll just leave. Go cuddle one of my dogs. Never.
0: <laughs> hey, I left. I love cuddling my cat for this shit. So we're we're whining. We're doing this. Um, <laughs>
1: So I'm covering two yo-yo.
0: I'm loving
1: that who's name. Who's still alive. And as we know, I need to wear some wood. We're some-
0: <laughs> Wait, let me knock on my crotch.
1: I'm- I'd be I so like much funnier covering- if I had a penis. <laughs> I don't like covering live people. And the last time I covered a live person, they died like two hours before. I
0: like. And then, okay, we didn't cover Ruth Bader Ginsburg, but we were in the middle of recording.
1: When and we like, found out she we died. took
0: We took a break between episodes. I was like on the toilet on my phone. And I was I like. I just hear Emily scream. I screamed on the toilet. I was like, Kelly. Yeah. Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. What the fuck? It was, was, it was devastating. And then like immediately for the next episode, we're like, what do we say? What do we do? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. And we, you know, we obviously said something about it. But it was like,
1: why is this happening yeah. right now? And.
0: It was, yeah. So, I I don't know. It's weird that that kind of thing has happened twice. Yep. It's not a lot, but it's weird that it happened twice. (laughs) It's like people dying because of the Titanic. It's only happened twice, but it's weird it happened twice. Yeah. So, knock on wood, this person will stay alive for another decade to absolve Kelly of her guilt. Thanks. So, It's it's to to yo? -yo?
1: Yeah. Okay. So it's spelled traditionally you like Y O U Y O U, but there's accent marks. Okay.
0: It's pronounced yo yo. Awesome. Tell me all about her. I will. And then I'm gonna email this to her. Please don't. I'm gonna tweet at her.
1: She's on Twitter.
0: I'm gonna Or she's on Instagram I'm gonna fax it to her. I'm gonna mail it. I'm gonna snail mail it. To China? I'm going to write on the
1: sidewalk <laughs> telling her to listen. You can write on the sidewalk. I'm fine with that. Okay. I don't think she'll ever see that.
0: Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Cool, cool. All right. Cool, tell cool, me all about cool.
1: her. So she was born in 1930 in the city of Ningbo, um, which is on the east coast of China. Her family was, so she was born into a family. She has four brothers, so five children, um, and they were very much like, all, all five of you go get go get educated. Awesome, I'm loving that. Right. So she she attended the Zhaoxi Middle School um, for junior high school, and then she would attend her first year of high school before transferring to the Ningbo Middle School in 1948. However, she would have to like stop her studies because she would get tuberculosis. Oh no. Yep. Um, Well, spoiler, it didn't kill her. Yeah, spoiler alert. (laughs) And she died. (laughs) Wait a minute. (laughs) Great story, Kelly. Thank you for that. What are you thankful for? Just one line. No, but she had tuberculosis. She was out of school for about two years battling with, you know, the infection, the disease. It was a hard time. And when she returned to school, she was like, okay, I know, like, what I want to do now. Like, I want to help people. That suffer from like diseases like that. Not necessarily tuberculosis like specifically, but like diseases. I want to be, you know, someone who works with diseases, Sci- a scientist that works with diseases.
0: I'm I'm sure there's a word for that.
1: I mean, like a, the D- first word a I, I think of is like a bacteriologist, but tuberculosis I don't think is a bacteria. Uh, it is. Is Isn't it? it? Or is it, it a virus? I don't think it's a virus. I think tuberculosis is a bacteria.
0: Shit, is it a virus? I don't know. I'm looking. Oh, my God. No, it's a bacteria.
1: Oh, cool. Yeah, we were right. Look um, at me
0: feeling smart for the first
1: time ever. Aww, this I'm is so a special moment
0: that I'm sharing with all of you.
1: Let's just take a moment of silence for Emily's smartness. And we're done. And it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> and it's gone. But no, I, I love that she
0: took that, like, really horrible experience and got something positive out of it. Right, and was like,
1: okay, I'm going to, like, do the thing.
0: And also, like... When I went to the Mooner Museum, we got to see a lot of organs and even skeletons that were affected by tuberculosis. That shit can mess up your bones. It is insane. It can make your spine basically do a figure eight. And I'm like, after that experience, I was like, I never want to see Mm -hmm. a tuberculosis affected body part ever again and after actually contracting or suffering from it she's like I want to fix this where I'm just like I never want to think about this again <laughs> yeah yeah I mean was, and you didn't even have it I didn't even have it but I like I didn't know it could do that to your bones I I, when I think of tuberculosis I always think of it as like a respiratory thing but it can infect your bones or maybe I'm thinking of syphilis
1: yeah so technically I had to Google it because it was bothering me. Epidemiologists are like people, public health workers who investigate patterns and causes of disease. Mm-hmm. So that's probably what you're thinking of. Epidemic. Um, studiers. Two, two becomes a chemist and something else that's very specific that I'm not going to say yet because then Spoilers! like, it, yeah, it's a spoiler. Yeah. So she would go on and go go back to school. She would finish high school and then go on to attend Peking University Medical School or the Beijing Medical College. Um, And there she would study pharmacology, learning how to classify medicinal plants, extract ingredients and like determine their chemical structures.
0: That's so delightfully witchy and I love it. Right.
1: Like it's helpful and witchy. I mean,
0: that is what like the wives of the proverbial old tales used
1: to do. Like, I love that. Right. There is science to that. Exactly. And they were
0: burned as witches.
1: So to graduate from Beijing Medical University, from the school, um, <clears throat> in pharmacy and continue her research. And she would continue her research on herbal medicine, like particularly like old school methods of using herbal medicine. So like modern, like she would combine modern and old school, old school stuff. And that that's going to be a big like thing in her story. So she is a medical witch. Yes.
0: I love this for her.
1: So she would continue her education at the China Academy of Chinese Medical Sciences. And she would, again, study in the Department of Pharmaceutical Sciences and would graduate um, from there as well. And then go on to, to train for two and a half years in traditional Chinese medicine. Okay. So she did like the modern thing at the, at the colleges. And then she would go and learn traditional Chinese medicine as well.
0: And I know that. Traditional medicines in a lot of countries can be problematic. Yep, especially the reliance on endangered animals. So that is not great. It's potentially sounds, not great. It can potentially yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I'm I, I'm just telling you right now that an elephant's tusk is not going to cure your herpes.
1: I'm pretty sure the Chinese aren't using. That would probably be more India. I know, but I or or Africa. I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah I, I, know, I know I know elephants are endangered for their ivory. Some like if I think of like the traditional Chinese medicines that I'm actively aware of is like a lot of herbal stuff, acupuncture, tai chi. Um but I don't yeah. know specifically what she studied.
0: There's that like there's that little critter that kind of looks like an armadillo. And I I know that's endangered because of traditional like medicines, traditional yeah. medicines, and I'm, I'm, yeah.
1: Anyways, she would go on to work at the Academy of Traditional Chinese Medicine, which is now called the China Academy of Traditional Chinese Medical Sciences. Love it. Yep they they upgraded their name just I, a little bit. I
0: also love, and and again, this isn't this isn't me poking fun at China specifically. We all do this but I love. The Chinese Medical School of Chinese Medicine in China. Like, like they're just very specific about, yeah. like, this is in China, and this is about Chinese stuff, and, like, also China. Right. Did
1: we mention China? So, um, during her early years of research at the academy, um, she would study lobelia chin. Chinesis, um, which is a traditional Chinese medicine um, useful for treating <sighs> schistosomiasis. Oh, my gosh. Um, it's a disease that we don't have here in the United States. It's, it has nothing to do with like infrastructure or anything like that. It is caused by a parasitic worm that we just don't have
0: horrifying Par- um, parasites creep me out did you ever see that do you ever see that show on like animal planet monsters inside me no don't watch it it will ruin your entire oh, life
1: yeah but the reason this is so prevalent in china and to the point where this worldwide this disease is second only to malaria oh my god but it's because it lives in water so like with their rice patties and stuff like that It causes a lot of problems because yeah, it'll, it lives in the water. Like it'll infect like snails and like part of, okay. So part of it is like cleanliness of water, but basically it'll infect snails and then it penetrates into the skin and then it comes out of the human. And then it like, you know, it's that cycle of parasites.
0: I can't believe I've never heard of this. If like, we've all heard of malaria. Yep. Thanks. Anti-vaxxers. Yep. But like, that this is second, only second to malaria? Like, I can't believe yeah. I've never heard of this. I think
1: it's dropped a lot because it was really widespread in the first half of the 20th century, um, but, like, I Googled it, and, yeah, the CDC says it's still fairly prevalent. Schistomiasis. Yep. And, yeah, it's caused I'm by- Also known as snail worms. fever. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. So this one is a parasitic disease mm-hmm. that is, yeah, not- not fun. I didn't look a ton into it. because I'm like, I don't want to know.
0: Okay, and I'm definitely derailing you because all I want to know is more about
1: you can look it up. snail
0: parasites. That'll be a later Emily thing. Yeah, that'll be an Emily doesn't want to sleep or eat or live in yeah. safety and peace ever again.
1: Yep. So during this time, two was living with um another woman. I I didn't get her name, but basically they were both from Ningbo. Um, Mm -hmm. and so like, because they were both in Beijing, they were like, oh, like we're from the same place. Like, let's be friends basically. And this other woman introduced to, to Li Tingzhao, who is her brother and Li and two would get married. Hot. Yes. Love it. Um, so they get married and she's doing her research on snail disease. Um, (coughs) And then during the Vietnam War, oh. um, the president of North Vietnam, Ho Chi Minh, at the time, asked um the Chinese premier, um, who is like the ruler of China, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Zhao and Lai for help basically battling malaria, because like the North Vietnam and I mean America had the same problem, but the North mm-hmm. Vietnam had a lot of problems because they're tramping through the jungle. And they're getting malaria, and the more we treat malaria, the more resistant it becomes to the drugs we have. You hear about, like, those old-school
0: malaria pills that were, like the size of your fist and they made you so fucking sick. Yeah. I mean there there are places if you're planning on traveling, the the United States, I know in that you get some kind of malaria. I know. Like you, Brazil, you take a pill, you go to Brazil and you get a bunch of stuff. Because mosquitoes are literally the worst thing that's ever happened and I think if as a world we could unite against mosquitoes, we would all be much happier.
1: They're trying. There, there, there's some really interesting things they're doing for mosquitoes because mosquitoes, like, they, they've shown they don't, like, if we eradicate mosquitoes, it, w- it would have some impact on other animals, but not to the extent of a lot of other things. Well, because,
0: like, how many animals solely rely on mosquitoes? Exactly, like, I know there are plenty of animals that eat mosquitoes and good on them, but I know um, they don't rely only on mosquitoes. And so I know
1: this last year they were doing like a thing to introduce like sterile mosquitoes into the population Mm, so that they they would breed but then there wouldn't be any eggs yeah apparently it was a big success anyways so yes North Vietnam soldiers are coming down the Ho Chi Minh trail they're getting malaria which is resistant to chloroquine which was yeah like the treatment at the the treatment at the time and like I said Malaria is very much one of those really aggressive diseases that's like, the more you treat me, the more I'm going to develop against it. Mm-hmm. So he he's having all those problems and he reaches out to China and he's like, hey, you want to help? And China's like, well, you know what? Like, we also have a major malaria problem. So sure. We should probably figure that one out. Yeah. And I wonder if it's like, I don't know. I didn't look into the politics behind it. So I don't know if it was like a, hey, we'll help fund your research. Like, I don't know what it was. But basically they asked and China was like, yeah, let's do it. Um, And so the premier asked Mao Zedong to set up. They called it a secret drug discovery project, which I'm like, wow, that's. I want to put that I'm on like, my LinkedIn. Why would you not just be like, "Hey guys, we're gonna work on a cure for malaria, secret drug discovery project." So they called it Project Five Twenty Three because they started it on May twenty third, nineteen sixty seven.
0: So clever. Yep. Do you ever do you ever hear those stories of like um, native English speakers who go over to like China or Japan to teach English? Mm-hmm. And they see kids running around with English script on their shirts. Oh, and it it says, something, it's it says super something super offensive like, or makes no sense. I'm or... a bad motherfucker, you. Yeah. Like, you know, or something like that. And I'm like, okay, first of all. It's like us
1: with I, Chinese character
0: I can tattoos. only imagine the shit we're running around with and what it says. But that's what that makes me think of. Like, I bet it sounded a lot better in Chinese but in English English, it
1: just translates I don't know I think it still sounds awesome
0: I want to put that on my LinkedIn and then under the description just
1: yeah (laughs) but yeah so project 523 is what it was called and two years later two would be appointed as the head of project 523 like at her institute so they're helping with this project, and awesome. she's the head of it. Damn, girl. So she was initially sent to Hainan um, because, like, that was one of the places that had a lot of malaria patients. So she would study patients who were infected with the disease. So at this time, she had a one-year-old daughter and a four-year-old, both of whom she had to leave behind.
0: Oh, that's so um, hard.
1: Because, well, one, like one, you don't want to bring your kids into that. And two, like, you're probably not going to have a lot of time. So she left her daughter with her parents and put the four year old in nursery because her husband's still around. She's still married. He's actually super supportive. I'll talk about him a little later. Love Love a king. Um, But basically she said, quote, the work was the top priority. So I was certainly willing to sacrifice my personal life. She was like, I know how important this was. Like as someone who has suffered from a terrible disease, like I am willing to sacrifice my personal life temporarily. To do this. Well, and
0: this is the moment she's been waiting for. Like, this is what everything right. has led up for. Also, the idea that, like, anyone would even question her sacrificing her personal life because she's a mother, where it's like, mm, fathers don't get questioned about that. Yeah. They're just working.
1: It was three years until she saw our kids again.
0: <gasps> okay, that's devastating. Yeah. Oh my it's god. It's like sad all I around. feel so bad for her cuz that's I can't imagine how hard that is to be away from your kids for that long. Right. And for your partner to basically be a single parent. We had um
1: Yeah, and it sounds like her parents were helping, which is nice, but like yeah, like yeah, that's still, a really big thing. So we
0: had we had a a mom at the daycare way back in the day who accidentally suddenly became a single mom for a while and she mm-hmm. was working full time because her husband went overseas to visit family and, and then got pat- sick. His passport expired, oh, no. which I'm like, I'm like, okay, first of all, you know, she fucking reminded him 20,000 times oh, yeah, to make sure his pissed. passport was, was renewed. I would be pissed. And so he was stuck overseas. And so she's raising this baby alone. And so the baby was coming to, to our backup daycare a lot. And we were just like. Honey, anything we can fucking do? Do you need a casserole? Do you need a hot
1: dish? Right, like
0: we'll make you one. Yeah, and then we also had another mom um whose kid came into my classroom in preschool and she was she was here for the clinic mm-hmm. and she she came by herself, her husband And her, her, the rest and her child and the rest of her family stayed in China where she was originally from. But then her father and her son came to the United States to live with her. And the way she described it, she's like, I just got very lonely. I'm like, oh my God, you poor thing. Do you need a hot dish? (laughs) Hot dishes for everyone. All the lonely mothers. (laughs) That's so hard. That's so hard.
1: So, yeah. She's off doing her thing. Her kids are being taken care of. Like she didn't just abandon them. Oh yeah, um, for sure. But like still. she was still being a responsible parent. But yeah, like three years away—that's a lot. That's an emotional toll
0: on everyone involved. And yeah. that—that's—that's. That's, she's doing a great thing, but that—that's
1: hard. Yeah. So during this time, scientists worldwide would sc- like. I don't, I guess I don't know if it's during this time or like throughout the life of malaria. I didn't look, but at this time at least, scientists had screened over 240,000 different compounds without success of it treating malaria. So in 1969 at 39 years old, Tu had this idea of screening like Chinese herbs from like this, you know, like their ancient medicine. So she first investigated the Chinese medical classics and history like reviewing old practitioners' diaries and, like, all of this stuff and, like, traveling all over the country to gra- gather all this knowledge, she would gather it in a notebook called A Collection of Single Practical Prescriptions for Anti-Malaria. A.K.A. Project 69. Yeah. <laughs> Her notebook summarized 640 different prescriptions... And by 1971, so two years later, her teams had screened over 2,000 traditional Chinese recipes and made a total of 380 herbal extracts from some 200 different herbs, all of which were being tested on mice, yep, yep. to see how it would treat malaria. One compound they found was really effective. It's called sweet wormwood or artemisia and anu-e.
0: Artemisia
1: Gentileschi. No. <laughs> Not her. Um, so this was used, like, she had found it in an old, like, physician's book, as and it was used to treat, treat quote, intermittent fevers, which is actually, like, a big thing in malaria. You get, like, fevers on and so off. So
0: before they even had the, the term malaria... Yeah. They were, okay, okay, so it sounds like she's working a lot with herbal medicine, so I'm going to drop any concerns I had about, like, you know, endangered animals and that kind of thing. How fucking cool is that?
1: Yeah, that she's like, okay, all of this modern bullshit isn't working. Let me, like, look at what they used to use, because obviously this disease has been around for as long as mosquitoes probably have been. Yes, and, like, I'm not, I'm not a, like...
0: Well, my parents spanked me, so I'm going to, you know, carrying over things that are harmful. But there are some things that we can really learn from past cultures and groups of people that are really valuable. There was, um, I can't, I, okay, this is going to be like, it's going to sound like I'm making it up. I was watching this show and it was talking about tsunamis and they were talking about the tsunami in Japan and apparently in this one coastal community, there had been a bunch of like old stakes and stones that had been put up along the coastline and the whole idea was do not build past these markers yeah, because the ocean will come up there. Well, they built past it. And everything past the stakes got wiped away Shocking. by a tsunami. But, you know, it's kind of that, you know, like, this is why I get superstition. This is why I get the old wives tales. This is, but I love that she's putting a modern, She she's attacking, she's attacking it with a modern mindset. Not a, like... I don't know, like blink twice and it's all going to be okay. Kind of like super super superstitious, just a little stitious,
1: just a little, (laughs) just a little stitious.
0: But I, I love that she's melding the two in such a
1: beautiful and effective way. Yeah.
0: I love her so much.
1: She's a science witch. She is a science witch. So, um, once she figured out like this was useful, she presented a project at a seminar um, and its preparation was originally described in a 1600 year old textbook in a recipe titled, quote, emergency prescriptions kept up one sleeve, which I love. Oh, my fucking God. This yeah. is amazing. So at first, when they first started testing this sweet wormwood, it wasn't working. And two was like, OK, like what what's going on? Like, because clearly it had been working like this textbook talks about it. So two's team, which I believe was like her and two to three other people, um, isolated one active compound in wormwood that seemed to be what was good against malaria-friendly parasites. So they tested different extracts of the compound with nothing working. So two would return to the ancient text again, and she wondered like why, like what the fuck was going on, like you know, like so part of it was they were boiling wormwood to pr- to prepare the solvent, which was like a normal standard process mm-hmm. so she was like okay let, let's try it a different way this time with an ether-based salt solvent because ether boils at a lower temperature than water does
0: oh
1: and so she tried it in ether at a lower temperature and the wormwood doesn't get damaged so when she tested it on mice and monkeys it had a hundred percent success rate
0: shut the front door Okay, this made me think of like the the first smallpox vaccine where they were like someone was like, it's really weird that milkmaids don't get smallpox because they're exposed to cows Mm -hmm. and cowpox. It's like similar enough. And then they started taking scabs and like inserting them under your skin. But it's that casual. Yeah, no nasty Um, It is actually my dream to buy an old book and then to find it has old smallpox scabs in it because that has happened to people. Like it's been in an you envelope. You have a
1: weird dream.
0: Hey. That is disgusting. Hey.
1: You're going to be so impressed when it happens to me. No, I won't. You're going to be so
0: thrilled.
1: Unless someone gives you a bunch of money for them, I'm going to be like, Emily, that's gross. Throw it away.
0: No, I will keep it forever. I will be buried with it. <laughs> Actually, no, I Instead will. Instead of
1: keeping your children's teeth because you're not going to have children. Exactly. People are going to be like, look at my smallpox scabs, And people yeah. are going to be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Hey,
0: hey, man. I got my trench coat. I we'll see some scabs, <laughs> but like you know, just that that observation, trying to find the link, yeah. and like all this experimenting she's doing—that is so cool. Mm-hmm. That is so fucking
1: cool. Yo yo, damn girl, yeah. So she discovered that the low temperature extraction process was really good at um, being able to extract the anti-malarial substance. Um, so yeah. Um, so two, two and two of her colleagues tested the substance on themselves and then would begin testing patients. If this was a Marvel movie, they would have all gotten superpowers by testing stuff on themselves. Right. So once they obtained the pure substance, like prior to testing it on themselves, they named it, uh... King Ho Su or Artem- Artemisian in English. I actually like that. That's a hot name. That's something you see on one of those. Artemisian. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce it. That's something
0: you see on one of those like prescription commercials that are so prevalent in the US where it's like, hey, it's a bunch of people like enjoying life. And then one person who's like really sad or sick. It's like, do you miss living your life like a normal person? Try artemisian and then they're like super happy and like the color comes back to their face and then there's a bunch of side effects that may include dying at the bottom may include swollen tongue artemisian
1: yeah (laughs) um so this substance has since saved millions of lives since 1972 especially in third world developing countries Um, Two has also studied like the chemical structure and the like pharmacology behind this. And it was her group who first determined the chemicals, like the actual chemical structure of it. And she was attempting to confirm the the carbonyl group in the molecule when she accidentally synthesized dihydroartemisinin, which I think is also used to treat malaria. I don't know what the difference is. We're it, not I try, scientists. I like, tried to look it up, and I was like, I don't understand.
0: Damn it, Jim.
1: I'm a podcaster, not a scientist. Or a um, doctor. I think that's like the active part in Artemis. In- in- in. Sim- in- 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 yeah. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. cool. Um... So like I said, yeah, she she volunteered to be the test subject um, and she actually said like, as head of this research group, I have the responsibility to do this, which I'm like, I love you for that. She's really putting it all on the line um, for this. And all of the patients, like those first patients they tested recovered. Oh my God, that's amazing. So since it was safe, um, she would go on to conduct conduct more clinical trials with human patients and in a, um, she would publish her work anonymously for, at, in 1977 in 1981, she would present the findings related to the drug at at a meeting with the World Health Organization. So who, however, it would who? take two, who's two. on first exactly who's on first what's on second what's on second. <laughs> God damn it. Um, it took two decades for who to finally recommend um art- artemisinin combination therapy as a first line against malaria because bureaucracy moves slowly. Oh. My god.
0: Okay. I okay, here's the thing. I get it. I'm glad that there are tests and precautions in place. You know, but also do better. Like, like you yeah. are the World yep. Health Organization. Yep. Can't you be a little more efficient? Yeah.
1: So, she would go on to win an award from the Lasker Foundation. Um, for this compound and they would call like the discovery quote arguably the most important pharmaceutical intervention in the last half a century and that was in 2011 that she got that award
0: i believe it because malaria m- mosquitoes Whenever you see one of those, like, what's the deadliest thing? It's always right. mosquitoes. It's always fucking mosquitoes because they carry diseases like malaria. And, like, we were all freaking out about Zika virus. That is just the latest yep. in a series of crap that these little fuckers can carry. Malaria is probably the most classic of the mosquito diseases.
1: And yeah. she is fucking, like, fixed it. Yeah. Fixed it. Fuck mosquitoes. So, for her part, who has always been very humble about her discovery and like she hasn't really wanted to take credit. She has actually said like, quote, I do not want fame. So she often deflects praise toward her colleagues, both from modern science, like the ones that helped her in the lab and like the ancient Chinese texts. She's Mm -hmm. like, no, like they deserve credit too. She would go on to win the 2015 Nobel prize in physiology or medicine um, in October of 2015. And she would, her like her lecture that she gave for her like acceptance was called discovery of Artemisian, a gift from traditional chinese medicine to the world. See
0: and I I get where she's coming from. Right. I'd be because she's standing on the shoulders of other people. You know, she she's building off the work like of other people. She's making it better and but she there's a reason that no one put this together before right, her. Exactly, Like for her to have the Traditional medicine education, along with the modern medicine education, like she
1: it, gave her that edge that like pushed her to be able to go farther. She than bridged else. the gap, and that is yeah. Like
0: I, she she deserves the credit yeah. for putting that together. Yeah, I mean the guy who discovered penicillin, it was a complete accident.
1: Yeah, and she's, she's always been very clearly like proud of what she's done. She's just very humble, but she has said quote, every scientist dreams of doing something that helps the world. And she got to do that, which is really cool. Good for her. So after her Nobel prize, win, like her husband got interviewed, which I think is adorable. I hope he's
0: like the husband of the woman yeah. who cured malaria. <laughs>
1: and like, well, one of the first questions, like, I guess I don't know if it was one of the first questions, but at, at some point the reporter asked like, oh, how do you guys get along? Like, she probably works a lot, you know, like, and he says, he, he like got straight to the point and he's like, quote, just take care of each other. When she was young, she didn't know how to take care of herself and she didn't want to take sick leave. No, I naturally had to do more, though. Like, the the, the person noted, like, it was very affectionate the way he said it. He, he yeah, wasn't like yeah. chastising her. He
0: wasn't like, yeah, this bitch doesn't know how to take care of herself. He's like, she works so hard, and I'm like, happy. Right. To, like I'm, I want to take care of her and make sure yeah. she takes care of herself because I love her. I
1: love that. And I believe this next part is a quote from him. It was it like the way it was written it was hard to tell if it was a quote from him or something just the reporter said. But I think it was, it was editorialized. A quote from him. Was, "Quote for fifty-eight years with you, you have overcome difficulties in the career you love, and I am willing to do everything for you. Happiness has nothing to do with glory, wealth, reputation, and status. It is just a kind of telepathy and tacit understanding, mutual comfort, and mutual accomplishment. He's a fucking yeah, king.
0: That's so sweet." And like he's doing his own thing, but I, I love that it's like it's very much this cooperative mentality where her success is his success. Mm-hmm. It's it's their collective success. It's not a place to breed resentment. Yeah. It's not, oh my God, she's off doing all this cool shit. And I guess like fuck me. You know, he, he's so genuinely happy for her. Yeah. But also just happy for the world because what she's doing is bettering everyone. And he's not taking that as a shot to his ego. Yeah. You know, and I I feel like the bruised ego is where we encounter a lot of these kinds of issues where it's like, hmm, the guy couldn't handle, you know, the woman doing better or making more. It's like, let go of your ego and just love your partner and be there for them.
1: Yeah. So just to step back a little bit, because I like kind of went right from her research to her winning the Nobel Prize. (laughs) But like after her research completed in the, in the like decades between finishing her research and winning her Nobel Prize um she was promoted to researcher which is the highest researcher rank available in mainland China it's equ- equivalent to an academic rank of like a full professor here oh shit um so that was in 1980 um Shortly after the beginning of the Chinese economic reform, um, in 20, in 2001, she was promoted to academic advisor for doctoral candidates, which is a really big thing. And as of this year, she is the chief scientist of the China Academy of Chinese Medical Sciences. Holy shit. So at 92 years old, she's still working. She's the chief scientist. <laughs> yeah. She's not retired. Yeah. One of the sad things about this story that I found and that some of the articles even kind of point out is that once she finished her research in like the 1970s mm-hmm. until 2011, which is when the Lasker Foundation gave her her award, And then 2015 is when she won the Nobel Prize. In those intervening years, she kind of got lost and is actually described as, quote, almost completely forgotten by people. But luckily, like she's been remembered now. But I don't think it was necessarily like anyone's intent. She's she just seems like one of those people that she's really humble and she's just really quiet. And she probably just kept her head down and kept working. She she did her job. She's and like, OK, then moved on I'm done presenting thing. now. Yeah, exactly. Let's move on to the next problem.
0: Man, you think that like any country who had someone like her would want to like put them on a pedestal and show them off to everyone. Exactly. You think so? That is that um, is so crazy.
1: So she is regarded as the three without scientists. So she has no postdoctorate graduate degree, no study or research experience abroad, and is not a member of either of the Chinese national academies. The three without scientists. Yeah, that's what she's known, I think, in China. Oh, my God. Because, yeah, like, well, here's the thing to note, too. So she has no post, postgraduate degree, but they, at the time... There was no postgraduate education in China, Mm -hmm. not available to women, just period in China. Um, And then, yeah, no researcher experience abroad. And then, yeah, the two national academies are the Chinese Academy of Sciences and the Chinese Academy of Engineering, which theoretically you'd think she could be part of the Academy of Sciences, but I don't know. I don't know anything about any of that. And
0: we're not going to pretend we know.
1: Currently or now, she is regarded as a representative figure of the first generation of Chinese medical workers um, since the establishment of the People's Republic of China, which was in 1949. But like, I I I get that. Like, she's like one of those people that's like, okay, look what this kind con- like now that the country's more unified and like doing better as a country. Like, look what we can produce. Like, mm-hmm. look at the science we can accomplish. And she, so she's like one of the figureheads of that, which I think is really cool. And like. Well, I'm glad she's getting the recognition that she deserves. Yeah. And I know it's so sad that people were like, yeah, she was basically like completely forgotten for like three decades.
0: I mean, how often do we hear that kind of thing? Oh, yeah.
1: So often.
0: And it's for so many different reasons. It sounds like in this case. I'm sure I'm I'm sure there was some sexism involved because when isn't there, but also she was not looking for praise which would also be considered very like gauche of her like "Mm, a woman desiring praise Mm, like you should just
1: love it for the work it's
0: like shut up
1: yeah so yeah that's two yo-yo and I still kind of hope she never hears this but I just like her like I don't like covering women that are still alive because I feel like there's a lot of pressure yeah but also like I came across her story and I was like okay this needs to be told because like I've never heard I mean and it could just be because malaria is not prevalent in our country. It is yeah. not a thing we have to worry about unless we're going to travel abroad. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean people shouldn't be like look at this person.
0: It's it is just so wild to me. I guess I never really thought about where treatment or vaccines from for malaria came from. Yeah. And this is this is my like, internalized misogyny, I don't think I would have thought it was a woman. Yeah. Just just because the medical field is so male-dominated. Yeah. That's oh, my like, God. It's the
1: same thing I've thought of. Like, then that's kind of one of the reasons that I was like, damn, like, I I need to cover this. Like, this needs to be brought to an American audience. Not that it hasn't. Like, I'm sure there's probably people more well-read than us. Like, people probably- wait. wait.
0: People more well-read than us.
1: Excuse me, ma'am. I have read a book. A book. Uh, I checked out a book from the library. Right. (laughs) I'm also thinking about like, you know, maybe people in like the pharmaceutical world and stuff like that. And it's just not mainstream. But I'm like, this is something that should be mainstream. That, no, absolutely. Should be on like walls places. Like this is shit people should learn in school. Like, and we talk about like, like this Repra- happened in the 1970s. We it talk about
0: the representation of women in STEM and there, there are the women that we always see. Rosalind Franklin. Marie Curie. Yep. Yeah. Um, Amelia Earhart. Yeah. I don't know if that's I considered STEM. That's STEM but you know what I mean? Like when we think of common feminist heroes. Yeah. Like
1: there's like four or five women that like are the four, like the front gonna, runners. And
0: they're, I'm
1: just going to say they're it. all
0: white. They're all fucking white. Every single one of them. It's getting better. It is getting better, but why are we not talking
1: about Yo-Yo? Right? That's that's wild. And she's still alive. There is, I think, one. What is her name? Are you trying to think of a BIPOC woman yep. who is
0: in the STEM field? Yeah. Is it someone we've covered? Yep. Oh, fuck. There have been
1: many. I that's think it was Katherine Johnson, wasn't she? BIPOC? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. And like, it's a really big one. Hidden <laughs> figures, hidden figures for sure. But that, those women only became household names because Re- of the, the book and then the exactly. movie. Exactly.
1: Like that's a more recent thing. Actually, she might not even be BIPOC. I think she is, but I'm not 100% Catherine sure.
0: Johnson is black.
1: Okay. I'm
0: looking at a picture of her. I, I'm just going to say 99.9% <sighs> sure. Actually, I, I'm going to go all in 100% sure. She is black. <laughs> I know this.
1: I know she is Kelly. Stop
0: looking at me in that
1: tone of voice. I'm not.
0: I'm just. Looking, I'm
1: looking at pictures of her, and I'm like, I, I wonder if maybe it's a. I don't want to say like mixed race, but like that's kind of what I'm leaning toward. <laughs> You covered her in episode I, like four. In episode four, we're on like two hundred. Oh my and god! And
0: that's also when I covered Artemisia Gentileschi. Look at that. Go listen episode together. four. Go listen episode four, everyone. Just go fucking do it. Or was
1: it I fall? feel really bad, and I'm. It's. Please don't no, think and that, that I'm like racist or anything like that. Like, we have just covered so many women, and I'm like, I'm like in my mind, I'm like, I'm pretty sure she is, but then like I look at a picture of her, and I'm like. But is she? Which, she, I mean, looks are not everything. 100%. And I don't want to be like the person that's like, yeah, she's BIPOC. And then have everyone be like, she's not BIPOC. What's wrong with you? So I'm just trying to get my facts correct. Bold of you to assume I'm ever going to read our emails. <laughs> no, I read our emails.
0: <laughs> that's the problem. Oh, my God. Yeah. Uh, you know, I will say I've never gotten over the panic. We've gotten maybe two messages since we started doing this in 2019 of like oh hey here's a friendly correction like nothing mean yeah nothing shitty nothing aggressive but every time we get a message I'm always like oh, oh my heart like stop I'm as much as I want our listeners to engage with us I'm also fucking terrified of hearing yeah. from them well and as
1: much as I'm like Emily I would love if you cut this out I know she <laughs> will well okay I think this is a good time to
0: jump into something. I, I did a I did a DEI, Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion training recently, and it was talking about making a brave space versus a safe space. And first of all, there is no such thing as a safe space. Yeah. Ultimately, and what is a safe, place, safe space for some people is not a safe space for others. That's very true. You know, if we're in a room full of white women, we are probably going to feel safe. BIPOC women may not feel safe. Yeah. that kind of thing. So they were talking about making a brave space which is also making room for mistakes. It's making room to make mistakes and learn and grow from it. And there was something that a lot of people in the training talked about was like being afraid of saying the wrong thing. And like what does a brave space mean to you and something I was kind of realizing was There are obviously things that are overtly racist that we should just all know is not okay. But to make a mistake, to be corrected and then accept that and then do better in the future, like that's making a brave space, making room for people to grow. And there is some debate over like it shouldn't be a BIPOC person's responsibility to teach you or like have to correct you or that kind of thing. But at the same time, us as white women, we have a lot of privilege and we are going to make mistakes. And our job is to educate ourselves on our own time, but then also to take direction from people who know better and to grow from that. Yeah. So when we do make mistakes, instead of thinking I'm a bad person, it's more, here's an opportunity for me to do better in the future and to not make this mistake again. Like early early on in uh, My Favorite Murder, they used the word prostitute instead of sex worker. Yeah. And someone corrected them and they just never said prostitute again. Because they they learned something and they moved on from it. Yeah. So, you know what? This is This is a brave space where we make so many mistakes and we are happy to learn from them. Okay, fine. So, Kelly, my darling, other than not having to worry about malaria, what are you thankful for? (sighs) I mean, yeah. Seriously, what a fucking, or tuberculosis. What a fucking nightmare. Like, I get, if I'm even like, sick like I feel like I need to vomit I'm like I just wish I was dead I'm so pathetic I can't oh God, handle if it I got like
1: a serious illness it would it would not end well for I, me I
0: e- even even my hip stuff I was like just I'm done I, I just want to check out I would be terrible in a survival situation because I'd be like I'm out I'm out fuckers <laughs> it's been 10 minutes I don't care I'm out <laughs> we're waiting for
1: the bus. I don't care. I'm done. I'm done. It's I'm going lie in the road and I'm done. <laughs> um, I'm going to go with, I'm thankful for Um, there's like a small subset of people I work with that I'm like in a consultation team with, and I'm just really thankful for them and how, Nice and understanding they are because I we haven't had consult in like a month just due to vacations and holidays and things like that. And we were supposed to have it today (laughs) and I found I've got reminded on Wednesday like oh hey you have some testing like three hours worth of testing today and oh um, God that I had completely forgotten about. Because it's been like months and I didn't put it on my calendar like the dumbass that I am. So on Wednesday, I had a lot of shame. I didn't want to do it, but I like sent an email being like, hey, I'm going to miss consult. Like if anyone has a really major problem with this, like I'm missing consult due to testing. If anyone has a problem with this, like please let me know. I'm more than happy to like make any repairs needed. Or like if you if it's really important, if something really big has come up. I can try to reschedule my testing, and and everyone was just like like no like take care of yourself, super understanding. And like I still had a lot of shames. So I even like went and talked to my boss, and I was like I'm feeling really bad about this. And she even said she's like if I like if I thought you were avoiding, I would say something to you, or if like if I thought it was really really important that you didn't miss consult this Friday, I would tell you. Mm-hmm. But you need to take care. And then she just like validated that like you need to take care of you. And I just I'm very grateful for that like to to work in an environment that is that supportive and that nice and it's not passive aggressive. It's not like one of those that when someone tells you something you're like, "Yeah, but do they mean it?" Cuz I've worked in those places before. Yep. Or even when it where people will be mean. Like I've worked in those places. That, like, I'm like, oh, God, they're telling me it's fine, but they're, like, in cons. Because they still had it without me. And, like, in some of the places I've worked before, I'm like, I bet, like, in my mind, I would be like, oh, they're talking about me. Like, they're complaining that I'm not there. But yeah. I don't worry about that. I'm like, yeah, maybe someone mentioned, like, oh, it's too bad Kelly's not here. But I doubt any of them complained.
0: I love, And I'm thankful for that. I love that you're working in that environment. I am also very sad that that is worth mentioning i was i was actually talking with my with my felix so his his brother i just i just went to his nephew's first birthday yeah he's so cute and i love him so much and his head is so big Um, (laughs) god
1: damn it kelly i can say it you can no i'm kidding you sent me like like, the pictures and like there was like the coasters and stuff and i was like Yep. No, like, I felt like the only reason they made the coasters was because this kid has a big head. He's got a
0: big head. No, he does, and, well, and he's he's precious. Grow,
1: kids grow that way. Like, yeah, they totally their do. heads get big, and the, and then they have their growth spurt.
0: He does, and he's precious. Um, but I, you know, uh, his so so his brother, his mm-hmm. nephew's father is a really like involved and dedicated parent. And I'm always talking about like, oh my God, that's so wonderful to see. Like, I love he's, he's hanging out with this kid. He's making dinner. Like he, he's an active parent, you know, and not kind of following that standard masculine script that I think a lot of us have been accustomed to and our expectations for the father in a relationship. And, it's funny because I was I was talking with my my fellow about something and he's like, you know, sometimes you, you you talk about my brother and how much how good of a daddy is. And then you give me examples of people who aren't that great. And I'm like, oh, I get why you're so impressed. Because to my to my partner, he's just like, yeah, he's just being he's like, a this dad. Is normal. Yeah. And I'm like, you understand. I have met so many men who wouldn't who, like. It's sad that I'm really impressed and like happy to see that. But it's also, yeah. you know, you don't see it very often and that sucks. So I, I love that you're in that you're in that environment. I'm sad that that is kind of the positive exception to yeah. most people's experience. Even at my job, I've been um, I've been helping give Q rides to and from this program that she's in. And I like I told my boss about it and she was like, oh, yeah, it's one of the great things about working here, you know, just keep your calendar updated and keep us updated, you know, so we can kind of know like who's in the office and make sure that we have enough staff for this, that and the other thing. And just the fact that I can I, I feel like I don't have to compromise supporting people who are important to me yeah. for my work, which is also important to me. But it's like I should be able to do both. I'm not like taking a three month sabbatical from work. I'm driving a child two two hours from a daycare. Yeah, it's not
1: even. Yeah,
0: yeah. So that's really awesome.
1: What do you think? Before fuck,
0: I rolled a nat one on my redirection
1: again. Um, I mean, you could just say that's what you were thankful for.
0: I mean, I I am definitely thankful for that. I'm also thankful for the time that I've been getting to spend with Q. She's she's such a cool fucking kid. Um, I'm going to I'm going to take her to see the new Disney Pixar movie, which I also want to see. So this is a win win. But when her baby brother was born, you know, I made her a bunch of coupons because she's been an only child for like eight years. Right. And I just want to make sure that she still got some of that one on one attention And she's been talking about like, okay, okay, so can I help you come up with the next set of coupons? Like, can I write things that I wanted, you know, cause I just made them up based on what I thought a kid would like. And she's like, and I want to do this and I want to do it. And she's like excited about it. And that makes me feel like I'm doing something good. Cause you know, sometimes you like, you do something for a kid and they're like, I don't really give a shit because they're, They don't totally get what it means to you. And that's fine. But she's actually excited about these. And she's excited about the next set. Yeah. So. Which she was like, do I get more? And I'm like, yeah, we can do more. And she was super jazzed about that. And I'm like, I kind of thought this was going to be a one-time thing. But I'm having fun. She's having fun. Why the fuck not?
1: Well, and if anything, just give it to her, like, as part of her, birth, like, Christmas again but like not have it be part of the main present just be like oh you asked for more here's more yeah
0: yeah well I mean it's just like because I I I told her she can use one a month yeah and we don't always totally stick to that because my schedule gets a little crazy but yeah I mean it's like a a month-to-month commitment but I think that's
1: really cute though honestly
0: it's fun I just basically get to be a kid
1: I mean yeah what
0: do you mean I get to go to the children's museum oh you mean I get to go to the mall you mean I, we get to go to Target and shop for facials and like spas. Right. Fuck yeah.
1: Oh, you mean we get to watch Bluey? Yes. I know. I did that with my neat, like my nephews the other day and I was like this is great.
0: Louie is the fucking shit. I'm just going to say it. I'm I'd become yeah. one of those adults. My
1: my nephews on my husband's side like love Louie and so they're like let's watch it and I'm like yes.
0: I'm actually so like, I, it's
1: actually a really good story.
0: It is. It is. And I feel like it kind of addresses how kids really are like with the with the sense of conflict that they have with each other. I I don't know, but um, I'm actually I'm shopping for a family like for for the holidays for Mm -hmm. like a charity thing. And one of the things on the list was like a bluey plushie. And I'm like, I've never been more proud to buy something in my life. That's super cute. This parent is doing a good job. This kid has excellent taste. Well, thank you so much for listening to us proud
1: along about what we're thankful for for twenty minutes. Yay. Like us on
0: Facebook at Whining About Herstory, Instagram at w a h pad,
1: Twitter at w a h underscore pod, which we don't use anymore, and it's not called Twitter. I won't call
0: it. It's new thing. And I won't fucking do
1: it. I'm I'm I've been so proud of myself because I haven't defaulted to saying Twitter because we don't use it, but not, today I did. Apparently, uh, our website is whiningaboutherstory.com where you can find a link to. The social medias we do use, our email address, a link to our sweet ass merch, our link to buy me a coffee where you can buy us a bottle of wine for $5 one time payment, or you can join our Patreon for as little as $1 a month and get some sweet ass bonus content,
0: which we're about to record after this, which is Woo-hoo! great because I'm drunk. <clears throat> You're silly. It's fine. I'll eat some peanut butter stuff pretzels yeah. that I've been...
1: We've been slowly snacking on. You say
0: slowly as if I wasn't just completely devouring them last I mean, time I recorded. Was too, so. You know what? That's why I love you. We're a team Yay. when it comes to consuming snacks. Yes. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Whiny About History. I'm Emily.
1: I'm Kelly. <laughs> I had to yawn. I was trying not to <laughs> yawn into the microphone. Have an empowered day. Bye. Bye.
0: I'm going to read you something because we're, because I'm going to cut this. That's fine. It's one of those Sarah Scribbles. Oh, yeah. Sarah. I I know soon death will take me. My body no longer functions. Everything hurts. I've lived a good life. Death. Ma'am, you are 29.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That sounds accurate. Me, since I was 13. Like, Fuck.